0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, welcome everybody, and uh, we're glad you're here. Today we take the final step in our uh, series called Getting Healthy Again. And over the past seven Sundays, we've gone uh, to Matthew chapter 5, the first chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, Uh, a passage that I have taken you to as a church family many times uh, over these 31 years uh, together to see and dig into the truths that God has for you and for me out of this passage. Once again, Uh, we are taking these verses called the Beatitudes, verses 3 through 12, and holding them up in the light of the illumination of God's Holy Spirit, asking Him to open our minds that we may understand the Scriptures, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from uh, His Word, to see uh, there's so much truth there. Uh, We're looking at just one aspect, and here we find... uh, the, the ways, the steps, uh, the, the processes that Christ takes us through to put our lives back together, to, to turn us into the fullness of human beings who are in Christ, as He intended. And uh, we have, uh, based on these verses, in the past seven weeks, we've discovered uh, and sought to submit our lives to the following seven steps. Now, let me hit the pause button just a second and say, I regret that my grasp of human language is so limited that I use the word steps because that's not exactly right. When we say, take these steps, we tend to think, well, I'm going to take this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight step journey, and then I'm good. Uh, These are not one-time steps to take or decisions to make or adjustments to make. These are... uh, Eight, seven or eight lifestyle changes that we adopt. You could call them spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices uh, that we align uh, with. They are the ways of Jesus that we are to live in and live out the rest of our lives that put us in a position to meet Him and be transformed by His grace. So uh, we, have, we have learned the fo- seven so far, and here they are. Realize, step one, I'm not God. I admit I'm helpless to control. My tendency to do what I know is unhealthy. That's just a really shallow way of saying sinful, just if you want to write that word in there. And that therefore, my life is unmanageable. I am spiritually, uh, I am impoverished. I, I, I need outside help. Second step. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, that He has the power to help me recover, to get healthy again, get whole again, to put my person back together again. Step number three, consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. Now, this is at the point where if we have not already... We turn from our sin, repent of our sin, place our trust in Jesus alone for our salvation and surrender to Him as Lord of our life. If we've already done that, become a Christian, we keep reaffirming that I am walking with Him. At step number four, we examined, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God and to someone I trust. This is an ongoing spiritual practice that God uses. Step number five, voluntarily... Submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. Uh, We, again, are submitting to Him to make these changes. Step number six, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And then last week, Pastor John Warnock wonderfully unpacked the seventh Uh, step in our journey, and it's this one. I avoid a relapse and maintain momentum by recognizing and uh, the warning signs and developing new habits to sustain my spiritual health. And finally, uh, today we come to the eighth step. Now, this step is all about helping other people. The best way we can help ourselves is to get our eyes off ourselves and to focus on helping other people. Uh, you know our culture says, you know, find yourself, self-realization, you know, it's all about, you know, take care of yourself, look within yourself. Mm-mm, that's not Christian at all. Jesus says, deny yourself. Yeah, get your our problem is not that we uh, you know, people with a self, bad self-image, it's not because they think too little of themselves, it's because they think about themselves too much. Uh we do better when we focus on the well-being of others. And so that's what this step is about. And it's based on two passages of Scripture. Here's the first one, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Now, this is speaking of the fact that there's going to be pain and difficulty in, in a, the life of uh, believers. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 1 verses 4 and 6 is another key passage. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Underline that phrase. When others are troubled, he will be a, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your benefit so that we can be an encouragement to you. Here's the eighth step. It's on your note sheet there already for you. I yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others both by my example and my words this lot, we adopt this lifestyle of helping other people do so. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, pastor, I can't help other people. I was a foul up. I've been a drunk. I've been a drug addict. I've been a rotten, sorry, no count person. I, I can't help other people. Well, I understand that, but listen, you don't have to be a perfect person to help other people. In fact, that's good because there are no perfect people. There are no perfect people. Every one of us have had faults, we've had foul-ups, we've had failures, we've had sins. In fact, this is in part what Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says when it says to us, all have sinned. All have sinned. Now God says that, but let's be careful. God says that not to diminish the seriousness of sin. You see, That's what we tend to do when we say, well... Nobody's perfect. What are we usually trying to do there? We're trying to make it not its a less of a deal that we're, we've messed up, right? Well, don't expect me because, you know, nobody's perfect. Lighten cut me some slack. That's not what Romans 3.23 is saying when it says all have sinned. It said, yeah, you're, we're, I'm a mess of a foul up and I'm in trouble. Not only that, everybody is in danger. This is serious. It's why we're in the condition that we are... Uh, in. But even though we've all sinned, you only have to be one step ahead of another person to help them take the next step in life. Uh, If you're one step ahead of someone else in your growth in Christ, you can help them take the next step. Whoever's behind you, here, follow my steps. Follow me as I follow uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. The evidence, there's a lot of evidence that we are being made whole again by Jesus. The main one is that we become others-centered. We, we, we are less and less self-centered and more and more care about helping other people uh, around us. You'll, want, you'll begin to want to help other people. I mean, who can better help someone who is grieving, like many of you are grieving, Who can better help someone who is grieving than someone who has grieved but already found the comfort that comes in Christ? Who better? Who better to help someone who's hooked on pornography than someone who was once addicted to porn and yet has, been, has found freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ working in their lives. Who better to help someone who's struggling with an eating disorder than someone who's come out the other side of an eating disorder uh, through the grace and the power of Christ and all of the provision that He brought to their lives? Who better to help someone who's going through a divorce that they did not want than someone who's made it through a divorce that they did not want but found hope and healing and, and new life in Christ. Uh, you you don't have to be a perfect person. In fact, none of us are. God does not want you to waste your sorrows. In fact, God does not want you to waste your sin. Even our sinfulness He will use. Don't waste your pain. And so I've discovered that you can you can help people with your past experiences, the pain of your past experiences... Uh, if you'll share at least four things. I don't remember if I got four or six. Listen quick. It all depends on how much time I got. So uh, here we go. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. The first thing, you can help other people with your experiences if you will first of all share how pain got your attention. How pain got your attention. Listen to Proverbs 20 verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. I, I felt like right there God should have put two more words in that verse. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, it usually, it, you know, some of us hardheads, it, it, it takes us finally creating enough pain in our lives through our own sinfulness before we will turn to God for help. But we share how pain got our attention. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in the church at Corinth, wrote these words. He said, I'm glad not because it hurt you, this particular situation hurt them, but because the pain turned you to God. C.S. Lewis once said this, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but He shouts to us in our pain. He shouts to us in our pain. Now, the the danger we have is that when we are in pain, we want to run from God. In fact, many times we want to wrongly blame God for our pain. Why is God allowing doing do this? Most of the time we cause, the, we cause most of the pain in our lives. We don't cause all the pain in our lives. Sometimes other people, other groups, their sinful behavior causes us pain. But rarely is it God who's causing the pain. Uh, he, in fact, being mad at God is just pretty much a waste of time. And so, uh, but he does get our attention with pain. So run to him. Here's another example. In the Way back over in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, we find one of the stories, uh, the historical account of the prophet Elijah. And Elijah was sent by God to confront the king of the land, an evil, sinful king, Ahab, uh, and said... God is going to bring judgment on Israel because of your sin and your sinfulness. Your sin and your sinfulness. He's going to bring a drought on the land of uh, Israel. And uh, so then the Lord told Elijah, let me pick it up in the, in the scriptures here. He said, go to the east and hide by Kerith Brook, a little a stream, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Careth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and he drank from the brook. But when you're reading the Scriptures, always pay attention to the word but. Something's about to happen there. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord told Elijah to get up and go. His brook dried up, the water dried up, and God said, I got your attention. Let's now get up and go. Get up and go. Let me ask you, has your brook dried up? Is it now dry? For some of you it is. God is trying to get your attention, and so when we, when you share with other people, help other people by telling how pain got your um, uh, how pain got your attention and you turned it toward God, be real about it. And here, here's what I mean: be open with your feelings. Um, don't try to appear more holy and godly or more ungodly than you were just be open with your feelings speak frankly 2 Corinthians 6:11 again the apostle paul writing to the christians in the church at corinth said this we have spoken frankly to you we have opened our hearts wide let let people see a little bit of what happened and then but be humble about your faults i especially when i was in college back in the jesus movement and people were getting saved and coming to Christ out of all kinds of backgrounds. We'd have these testimony meetings at the, at the campus gatherings. And, you know, sometimes people would get up and they'd spend the three quarter, first three quarters of their, their spiritual story talk, basically bragging about all their sinful exploits. It didn't, they didn't sound very repentant to me. That's not the point here. Uh, He's be humble about your faults. You don't really want to, Share them, but be honest about them and humble about them. Uh, Galatians 6 5 said, Each of us must bear the faults and burdens of his own. Be frank about your failures and sins, however. Uh, the Apostle Paul was in 1 in Timothy 1 15. He said, Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, that's no false humility on Paul's part. He understood, I'm still a sinner in need of a Savior. And and be honest about your frustrations. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I have the desire to do what is right, but I cannot carry it out. I keep on doing the evil I don't want to do. And be candid about your fears. You, you know, we still have fears in this life. It's not like we've got it all together. God my, got my attention with my pain. Be candid about my fears. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, writing again to that same church, Paul said, I do admit that I have fears. And so be real, but tell how God used a painful situation, however it was caused, maybe by your sin or the sins of others, however it may have come, uh, how God got your uh, attention. You can help people. And you can also help people with your experiences if you will tell them the lessons you learned about walking with God. Now, this is where I want to tell you four or five things as quickly as I can. Some of the lessons I've learned uh, through these first almost 66 years of life, some of it painful and some of it painful because of my own sinfulness. Um, here's some of the lessons that that I learned. You can share these too. Share. I, I share with people that I, through my pain, even through my sinfulness, as I turn to God, I learn to depend on God when I'm in pain. I learn to depend on God when I'm suffering. I learn to depend on God when I'm grieving. I learn to depend on God when life is hard. And um, and again, the temptation when we suffer is to either be angry at God or run from God. Bad idea. We're running away from our major source of help. He is the one that we can uh, depend uh, upon. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Again, writing to the church at Corinth. They were needing to learn these lessons really big. In in chapter 1, he wrote of a time when he suffered. We were crushed and overwhelmed and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves but that was good for then we put everything into the hands of god who alone could save us and he did help us he did help us you see when life kicks the props out from under you and all you have left is god you will discover he's all you need now i hope you i'd rather go ahead and learn that <laughs> before the props get kicked out. And you can. That's why we're having this lesson. You know, this is the shortcut. Learn from somebody else's stuff. And so, um, but you really learn that He is all you need. In fact, I would encourage you, I want to ask you to enter, in, pr- do, uh, practice with me this week a, a spiritual practice. Uh, I call them sentence prayers. They're kind of prayers of affirmation. Uh, that, that I'll pray, I'll pick one a day and maybe pray that through the day. I want Maybe set your timer on your watch or on your phone to, to to buzz you on the hour. And then when it does, just pray this to the Lord. Lord Jesus, you are more than enough for me. Lord Jesus, you are more than enough for me. Lord Jesus, you are more than enough for me. His presence and His acceptance is all we need for everlasting joy. Just say, Lord Jesus, You are more than enough for me, no matter my circumstances. In my grief, You are more than enough for me. In my physical suffering, You are more than enough for me. In this relational uh, conflict, You are more than enough for me. In my addiction, You are more than enough for me. Lord, You in, in, my, in this day of great joy and, and pleasure and ease, you are, you're still my source. You are more than enough for me. Just, Lord, you are more than enough for me. Got it? Got it? Try that. Let me know about Thursday how it's going. Uh, th- this one little sentence prayer has been a great prayer of the truth, the affirmation of God's presence, His provision, His, His sufficiency for my life. And it's just a, it's a great reminder. I encourage you to, to try it. So I, I learned to depend on God when I was in pain. I also learned to obey God's Word. Suffering again, some of the suffering, some of the pain caused by my own sinfulness. In fact, especially the times when my own sinfulness caused pain and difficulty in my life, I learned it's better to obey God's word. Uh, in fact, in, in Psalm one nineteen verse seventy one, the Bible says it was the best thing that could have happened to me, for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. One translation says this: it says. It was good that I was afflicted for it taught me to obey your laws, your statutes. Uh, Affliction can teach us it's better to obey God's word. Uh, one, One writer said it this way, life is a school and problems are the curriculum. And so when those come, life works better when you obey God. Now, Life's not perfect when you obey God. You're not going to be pain-free and problem-free in this life. But life works better when you obey God. He taught me to obey Him. There's a third thing that I've learned from my my pain that God has used that can help other people, and you can too, is this one. Share with them uh, that uh, I learned that I needed other people. Now, some of us learn that lesson more readily than others. Some of us are... We're all social creatures. Some of us just show up knowing and enjoying and pursuing friendships and relationships in a healthy way, Uh, but some of us don't. But I learned that in pain, I needed other people. Again, one of the temptations we have as human beings, I don't know why we are wired this way, but we do, is when suffering comes, when grief comes, when problems caused by my own sinfulness and shame come to my life, our default setting is to isolate ourselves, not just from God, but from other people. We start to pull back from our friends. We start to pull back from our family. We start to pull back from our church family. We start to pull back from our life group. We just, we just start to pull back. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a gravitational pull. It's a bad idea too. I said, we, we not only need Christ, we need each other. We need other people. It's the way He made us. In First Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible says this, I re- remember that in God's plan, men and women need each other. People need each other. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, the Scriptures say, two people are better than one. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help. Allison and I, We're at a family reunion yesterday and we met a a young lady who came as a guest uh, of a friend that we had known way back in childhood in high school days. And, And she told us the story of her sister's death and how the effect that it had on her that she made the mistake of in her grief just letting it sweep her away and she pulled away into isolation and said she was stayed there for two years. Finally, she kind of woke up and said, what am, I, what am I doing? And she, God led her to press back in in life and now, you know, she's doing much better. Don't pull away. We need each other. We need other people. And these are some lessons that I've learned from pain and suffering. I know you have as well. Here's another one. You can help other people if you will share with them the lesson you learned on how God brings good out of bad. How God brings good out of bad. In Romans chapter 8 verse 28, the Bible says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, he's not saying everything is good. But if you're in Christ, all things work together for good, for your ultimate good. And um, for, for illustration, just a little illustration here. Um, there are a lot of ingredients that go into to cake, chocolate cake. And um, some of them taste pretty good on their own. We Like my sister used to like to go, when she was little, she'd just go... Get eat the butter out of the refrigerator. Just you know, some up anybody like just to eat butter. I see those hands. Yes, that's okay to somebody. Sugar, sugar is pretty is good on its own. Uh, milk, ice cold glass of whole milk. None of that skimmed stuff. You know, I mean the really good stuff, and um, that that tastes good. But you know some of the other ingredients, like raw eggs. You know, I like to crack about four raw eggs into a glass and just drink it down. It's like a giant loogie. You know, it's just, ye. It's not. You know, there were some seventh grade guys up in the balcony. They needed something. I need to throw them a bone in the sermon. It's the only thing they'll remember today. Um, that's not. That's not so good. That's not so taste so good. Um, I always thought, you know, chocolate must taste good. And so mom always had these big the, the canisters of the unsweetened cocoa powder. Why wouldn't that be good? You ever taken a spoonful of that? Good grief. How about baking soda? How about just flour? I mean, you choke. to. Some of the stuff is terrible. But you know, when you bake it all together, you get chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, our motto around here, eat all you can and then just rub the rest on you. Yeah, that kind of chocolate cake. Uh-huh. That, Yeah, that kind, of, that kind of chocolate cake. And you see, that if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, God will do that with all of the circumstances of your life. He is so powerful that He can bring good out of bad. And He does. And some of you, you're in the oven right now. Your life is in the oven, but I'm telling you, don't panic. It's too soon to despair because he is he's baking chocolate cake with you. He really is. Many of us have been on the other side of this and we've learned the lesson. Uh, when the good comes, when the bad even your own sinfulness. He says, I will redeem that and I will work good out of it, not only for you but for my glory and the good of other people. He'll do it. Can God bring good out of bad? There's no greater example than the crucifixion of Christ. That horrible day, His horrible death, brought the redemption of everyone who's ever been redeemed, many of us here included. He does it. So don't waste your sorrows. Think of the biggest sin you've ever committed. Think of the greatest regret for something you've thought, said, or done in your life. And God is, more, is so powerful, he will, work, he will bring good out of that bad, not only for you but for others. And you can help other people with that. Don't waste your sorrows. One more thing you can share with them. Share with them how Jesus gave you hope to change. In First Peter chapter three verse fifteen, the Bible says, "Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have." They said, why, "Why are, why do you have hope in this world and in the next?" And he says, "Because of Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection. He's alive today, and his 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 imminent return. He's." forgiven my past. He's given me his presence and power to navigate the, the present. He's given me a home in heaven with him. Uh, when I die, I have great hope in this world. Jesus is our hope. And he has hope for change. He's changed me. You know, the re, there, we have some expectations of you when you come. Some of you are not your your spiritual seekers. You're not yet followers of Jesus. Dogwood is a church where you can come and ask the big, hard questions of life. I don't know that we'll be able to answer them all. I'm not very smart, but got there are some answers. But it's the it's a place to come and ask the big questions about life and eternity and you know humanity and problems. And your 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 seekers. Well, I'm, we, we expect you to be here and. Our expectation of you is to come ask questions and see maybe if you can get answers from God's Word and hopefully you'll come to faith in Christ. The rest of you, we're assuming you've already come to Christ and that you are here because you actually desire to know Him better, enjoy Him more, and you want to become like Him. If you're not here for one of those two reasons, what are you even doing? There's hope for change in this world. There is great hope for change in this world. Psalm 91 verse 15, God says to us, When you call to me, I will answer you. I will be with you when you are in trouble. I will save and honor you. And so let's pray. Let's call on Him. Let's call on Him for change. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I, I have no doubt that there are people here right now who are in a lot of pain. Tears come easily because they're so close to the surface when we are on this topic. Thank you for bringing every person here this weekend. Help them to realize you are with them, you care about them, and you have the power to help them. Now as we continue to pray, let me ask you some personal questions. Has God been trying to get your attention? Will you trust Him? to bring good out of the bad in your life? Will you trust in His power to make the changes in you that you have not been able to make by your own willpower? Will you face your fear and begin to take these steps, adopt these eight spiritual practices in order for Him to make you healthy and whole again? Will you learn to depend on God in your pain, to obey His word, to realize you need other people and that you're not going to get better on your own? You need Him. Then why don't you pray something like this from your heart after me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to get my attention. Thank you for bringing me here. I ask you to bring good out of the bad in my life. Help me to learn the lessons I need to learn. I want to become the person you made me to be. And I want you to help me, to use me, to help other people. Please give me hope when I feel hopeless. Please give me power that I need to change. I am willing to follow your steps to get healthy again from here on. Most of all, I thank you that you will always be with me. I want to follow you. In fact, I submit myself to follow you this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for hearing these prayers. And I want to thank you that by your death on the cross, your resurrection from the dead, your atonement for our sin in our place, your living presence in our lives today, that you have given us a way to be made whole. And that you are more than enough for us in any of these situations. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to seven seven nine seven seven. Or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.